0: Kenosha, Wisconsin, small town of the population, well, medium-sized town, population just under 100,000 on the shores of Lake Michigan, where an officer shooting of Jacob Blake started off a firestorm. We're going to go into what happened with that timeline, all the way down through into what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, we're going to break down actual facts, not feelings on this one. And let's just call out the media, especially the ones that are just making stuff up. Like I say, with their feelings or their narrative or whatever their deal is, we're going to get into that and we're going to start trying to set the record straight here in a logical fashion. So let's get this started with the breakdown of Jacob Blake in just a moment. Let's start this off with a USA Today timeline. Uh, let's just say they're—I don't—not exactly right, not exactly left. I, I would say uh, this one probably gives the most fair analysis of what happened. Um, this article was from August 27th, it looks like. So this is the timeline they put together here. So it uh, has also you know, pictures and stuff from there as well. If you go to their site, um, it's the Jacob Blake shooting timeline. Um, Let's see. So protests grew violent, resulting in the killing Tuesday of two people and the arrest Wednesday of 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. So this is... I guess, a pretense of kind of what this article is about. So anyways, that probably shouldn't even be said right at this point. So let's go into the article. Um, It starts off, the police shooting of another black man, this time in Kenosha. Wisconsin has fueled a, uh, well, I read that one way wrong. Okay, the police shooting of another black man. I don't know why they open not put it that way, but I think we all kind of know the bias that's going on. This time in Kenosha, Wisconsin, has fueled additional alarm and anger over excessive use of force. Jacob Blake was shot seven times in the back Sunday by a seven-year veteran officer, authorities say. The shooting set off protest, at times violent, that drew Kyle Rittenhouse, a 17-year-old white male and self-described militia supporter who is charged with shooting and killing two people and wounding a third. Here is a detailed look at how events played out beginning August 23rd. Um, Sunday, August 23rd, Blake is shot. Shortly after 5 p.m. local time, Jacob Blake, a 29-year-old black man, is shot by police while getting into an SUV with his three sons, ages 8, 5, and 3. A bystander's video appears to show a white police officer grabbing Blake by the back of his shirt as Blake enters his vehicle, then shooting him from behind seven times at close range. Now, what is already drawing me to a conclusion here, you can tell by the way these people write these articles, that they're trying to paint this scene already against the officer. We, we I think everybody's seen the video I would imagine um, the the thing is is the police were called to this person's home because of him and then you gotta you gotta look through the rest of the stuff to find out that he was going he was resisting arrest basically which is, I don't care what color your skin color is, it's probably not a good idea. Uh, but when you are getting back in to your vehicle, you're putting the police officers in a bad spot because they don't know what your intent is. And that seems to be what the media decides to ignore when all of this stuff is happening on all aspects, you know, because they don't, they don't patrol the streets, they don't deal with, you know, violent criminals, they just think, you know, all these people have just, you know, there was nothing wrong, so this article goes on, Kenosha police say officers were called to the 2800 block of 40th Street at 5.11 p.m. in response to a domestic incident, so here you are, a domestic violence call, police are responding, and Well, we all know what happened. According to police radio transmissions, Blake is shot less than three minutes after the officers arrive. Authorities identified Officer Rustin Shesky as the sole shooter and said Blake was also tased. A knife was found in Blake's car, according to the Wisconsin Department of Justice on Wednesday. Hundreds of protesters gather as news of the shooting spreads. Kenosha County declares an overnight emergency curfew from 10.15 to 7 a.m. Monday. A number of buildings are burned, including a state probation and parole office. Officers fire tear gas and rubber bullets into the crowds late Sunday. Most of the protesters leave. Which were probably the ones that were the actual more peaceful protesters, I would guess. Because, you know, people that have a little more common sense and aren't there to destroy buildings and all that stuff they're going to leave when violent stuff starts breaking out. The the troublemakers, the the, the ones that are going to cause the most damage, they're going to stay there because that's kind of what they're they feel whatever that they are entitled to do. Monday, August 24th, violent protest. I guess at this point you can still call it a protest. Um protests that starts turning into riots you know so i don't know you can look at it in any a couple different ways i guess but this article says the city uses garbage trucks to block the kenosha courthouse entrance at 56th and sheridan streets at least three trucks are burned firefighters begin cleaning up the damage from the protests Wisconsin Attorney General Josh Call announces that the state's Department of Justice's Division of Criminal Investigations will lead the shooting investigation. At 8 p.m. local time, about 125 National Guard members arrive in Kenosha to guard against looting and vandalism and to protect firefighters, Governor Tony ever says. Uh, this is <laughs> it's kind of one of those things, you know, where you got the CNN anchor out there. Is it, there's a, you know, stuff burning behind him saying that this is a mostly peaceful protest once you're destroying property and throwing rocks at police and stuff like that the peaceful part's gone and you're going to get what you're going to get from the police now if these people had not done any of this stuff weren't burning stuff weren't looting stores and throwing rocks and whatever else at police then you can say that it was a peaceful protest so that's another one of the media's big lies. Tuesday, August 25th, two persons fatally shot. Lawyer from Blake's family says he is in stable condition, but is paralyzed and says it will take a miracle for him to walk again. Um I don't know. What the heck is this one? It has kind of a blank behind the that headline. And then uh, let's see, so about 125 more National Guards are deployed, bringing the total to 250. That evening, protesters and law enforcement clash at a metal barrier outside the courthouse. Demonstrators throw fireworks and bottles at police. Once again, if you're going to start that, you're going to get what comes back at you. I don't care what your color is, what your race is, whatever you're protesting. Once you start doing that, you are the aggressors and you're going to get stuff them back or fired back at you. Um, demonstrators, okay, throw fireworks bottles who who the police who respond by firing tear gas and rubber bullets. Demonstrators are expelled from the Civic Center Park as protests continue. Which at that point they should shut it down. I mean, arrest all these people, whatever you gotta do, detain them. Uh, you know, you start taking these people out that are throwing these things. Uh, you're either going to scare off the other people that, you know, are just kind of following these people's lead. And then, you know, this stuff could have ended a lot different. But because you've got these people wanting to, I, I, want, I would like to know how many of these people came in from other places to do a, a lot of this looting and, you know, arson and whatever else they were doing in there. Uh, I'll see if I can find some of that out. Um, Shortly after 10 p.m. local time, armed people, identifying themselves as militia, are seen patrolling businesses downtown in a video streamed on social media. Rittenhouse, the teen later arrested in the fatal shootings, is seen carrying a weapon with this group and being recorded by several people on videos that appear on social media. Um, At around 10.30 p.m., Rittenhouse is seen asking the police for water. I've seen that video uh, true or they offered him water. I think it was more or less they offered him some water and then he ended up taking it or whatever. Um, so like I say the the way people in in the media write these things you can see you can see a bias they're trying to paint. Uh, some of them aren't afraid just to come out and say it. Um, but you know, anyways um let's see at 11:44 p.m police report three or four people trying to light vehicles on fire at a car lot on 63rd street and sheridan road in kenosha wisconsin a few minutes later an officer advises extreme caution to responding squads quote we've seen at least four people with handguns running around here unquote around 11 p.m videos capture a figure that resembles rittenhouse with a long gun being pursued by a second man through the parking lot of a pre-owned vehicle shop on 63rd Street in Sheridan. So here you go. Here's some of the first video. Um, before any of the shooting happens, you've got Rittenhouse being chased. I mean, assuming, of course, what they're saying, that this this was Rittenhouse. Um, but which I think through the trial, we all seen that that's what it was. Um. Uh, The pursuer throws an object at him. It misses, and they disappear behind a row of cars. Several gunshots are heard, and people begin screaming and running. In a second video, the person with the long gun runs behind a row of cars, pursued by the one who threw the object. A single gunshot is heard. The pursuer is running toward the person with a gun when four shots are heard, and the pursuer falls. Once again, there's a person chasing him. And in the testimony, I'll throw this in here before I forget about it, is that he heard a gunshot and wasn't sure where it was coming from. Uh, and at the time, he was being pursued by this man and whatever that was thrown at him, he didn't know what it was. You know, obviously he's you know running because they're chasing him. Um, but then in his testimony said that he realized afterwards the fact that it was a bag full of whatever he had found out that that's what it was. Um, (laughs) several more shots are heard and the gunman returns to the shooting victim who is being aided by a passerby. Someone says, call nine one one. The shooter pauses to look at the body, then backs away and pulls out his phone. The man helping the victim rips off his shirt, stop the bleeding from the victim's head wound. So, more than likely, the guy was already dead. Uh, let's see. So, here we go. It sounds like they've got a little video or some audio here of Rittenhouse as he calls the police. Let's see what it says.
1: North West, North
2: West, North West.
0: That's an officer.
2: Running Dispatch. 6 3
0: Dispatch.
1: Okay. Hotel okay. Six in one at our running. Maybe a male, possibly white, green
0: shirt, long rifle. Okay, so that's they just uh I don't know. I I would think that's kind of a a cherry picked piece of the what the whole that's the problem is media is going to cherry pick. It don't matter what side it is. They're both going to cherry pick whatever's going to sensationalize their, their side of the, I don't know what they believe is their narrative. Um, so it goes on as more people arrive. It appears that the shooter begins running. He is holding his phone to his ear. And though the audio is muffled says what sounds like I shot somebody. Um, as he runs away, people are heard screaming. He shot him. So, let's see. I mean, here's here's the thing. And this is kind of... I mean, you've seen all the videos. And a lot of people have said that, you know, you can't pursue somebody and shoot them. Well, that's pretty much what happened. He was running away. These people were pursuing him. Um, Now, the one guy, which we'll get into later on, claimed that he thought he was an active shooter. Now, typically, if you're an active shooter, you're going to be shooting anybody and everybody around you, not just one particular person and running away. So, I don't... I mean, maybe that's what he thought. I don't know. So, as he is seen running, several people are seen attempting to intercept him. He falls to the ground near... Uh, 61st Street and Sheridan Road. A few people begin to run at him. The shooter ultimately fires four shots at three people who rush towards him, hitting two of them. Now, that wasn't at the same time, though, was the thing. Oh, actually, yeah. So, um, So this was the case basically at the end after he'd shot the first guy that was chasing him. So one of the victims is briefly on top of him with his skateboard against his body. He shoots that person in the chest as he rolls off. The victim stumbles forward a few paces before he crumples to the ground and lies still. The last victim, who is carrying a handgun and a cell phone, is running toward the shooter when the skateboarder is shot a foot or two away. He covers his head with his hands and pauses for a moment before moving towards the man with the rifle again who shoots him in the arm. Uh, And then there's a picture of him actually with the handgun and a gunshot to his forearm. Uh, Plain as day. Looks like, I don't know, maybe a little Glock or something. I can't really tell, but it's a pretty clear picture of him with the gun. The victim runs away screaming for a medic. A video shows graphic imagery of the victim's wound as a live streamer offers medical help. Uh, so let's see, there's a, another little audio clip. I don't, even you know, if I'm going to even play it, uh, it says in front of it, the shooting male white with a rifle running, he was running southbound, turned around and fired into the crowd. Um, uh, let's see, so this police radio traffic, so I don't know if they even knew really what was kind of even going on, cause I don't think they were right there in what was going on. Let's just see what it says. I don't know. aware of a possible fourth victim at station one. Uh, KMH
1: has alerted me to that. Affirmative.
2: <laughs> All uh, the shooting. So it's male white with a rifle running. He was running southbound, turned around, and fired into the crowd. I'm trying to get people down here to get statements.
0: So where is this guy, if this is an officer? I don't know. I I never really heard anything about any of this stuff, so I don't know exactly where they were or where these officers were witnessing this, Uh, unless this was in the case that they had some kind of drone footage. I don't know if that's where this was coming from. Uh, So that makes it kind of hard to really determine determine what was going on on the ground. Um, so it uh, keeps going on. The shooter continues running towards the intersection. He sees some police cars, raises his arms. The police appear to continue down the road toward the injured. Um, at 1151, police audio shows the first report of a gunshot victim. Police said it looked like an injured person had been put in the back of a black SUV. Uh, quote, it looks like they're stuffing him in the back of a security vehicle from KMH Kenosha Medical Center. At 11.52, police officer says, we have somebody down in the middle of the road, CPR in progress. The location was confirmed at 63rd and Sheridan. Quote, we're going to need more here, unquote. 47 seconds later, police reported a person running northbound through 10th Avenue from 6th and 3rd. Uh, Quote, he dropped his gun. We're holding it right now at 63 and 11. At 11.58 p.m., police reported two civilians in the ER and confirmed no officers were down. Quote, I have a third gunshot victim walking into the ER right now. Police said just after midnight. Uh, okay, so I don't know how exactly that plays out. But um, at 12, 12 a.m., police officer, police officer, some additional information on the shooter. He was running southbound, turned around and fired into the crowd. Confrontations between police and protesters continue into Tuesday night. Um, so the video of people recording, the police are backing up. He's raising his hands, coming forward. The gun, you know, on the sling down to his side. He's trying to get their attention, it looks like. You know, I think this is within his testimony. He was trying to um, turn himself in at that point. I don't know why... Or what reason the police didn't actually, you know, take him into custody at that point. I don't know. Um, Wednesday, August 26th, suspect 17 is arrested. Police arrest 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse, who is white, at his home in Antioch, Illinois. I guess that's how you say that. Under Wisconsin law, Rittenhouse will be tried as an adult. He is in custody in Illinois and is scheduled for an extradition hearing Friday. So... From what I understood is he was trying to turn himself in at the local police station that was barricaded and he couldn't get in. He goes home, turns himself in to the police in Illinois. That's how I understood it anyways. Uh, So this article goes on. At least five charges were filed Thursday in Kenosha County Court. A complaint details how Rittenhouse used, his AR, used an AR-15 style, style rifle to shoot and kill Joseph Rosenbaum. He was the first one chasing him. 36, and Anthony Huber, 26, and injured Gage Grosskreutz. Grosskreutz, or whatever you say. 26, shortly before midnight along Sheridan Road, where protesters went after being expelled from Civic Center Park during clashes with law enforcement. First degree intentional homicide is the most serious charge. Rittenhouse would face life in prison if convicted. He also faces charges of first degree reckless homicide. Attempted first degree intentional homicide. Two counts of first degree recklessly endangering safety. And one count of possession of a dangerous weapon by a person under 18. Uh, I don't know how what the, the law is in Wisconsin about that. In most places you can own a long rifle, which is what an AR is. Rittenhouse was charged with first-degree intentional homicide in connection to the fatal shooting of Huber, the second victim who prosecutors say was shot in the chest while trying to pull Rittenhouse's gun from him. Um, If you ask me, that was his mistake for trying to engage with him if he had already just shot somebody, Um, my opinion. In the first shooting, which occurred a minute and a half earlier, he faces a first-degree reckless homicide charge, Rosenbaum was shot multiple times in the car source lot. What? that doesn't even make any sense. So it says Rosenbaum was shot multiple times in the car source car lot at 63rd Street and Sheridan Road. The complaint says Rosenbaum suffered gunshot wounds to the groin. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. So that's when he first shot him. So that was in the other other car lot. Okay, that makes sense now. Okay, so the complaint says Rosenbaum suffered gunshot wounds to the groin, back, and hand. Um, that was probably the three or four shots that uh, Rittenhouse put into him, basically. He had a graze wound on the right side of his forehead and a superficial wound on his left thigh. The complaint says law enforcement had earlier said He was shot in the head. In a statement released late Friday, Rittenhouse's lead attorney, John M. Pierce, of the law firm Pierce Bainbridge, characterized the shooting as self-defense. The U.S. Department of Justice also confirms that it has opened a civil rights investigation into the shooting. Uh, The Kenosha County Board has asked the governor for 1,500 additional National Guard troops. Um, So let's see. Yeah, so that is... Yeah, USA Today. Um, Let's see, it was updated August 31st, 2020. So that's the story from the timeline from USA Today about the Jacob Blake shooting and into the Kyle Rittenhouse thing. Um, But, you know, I don't know. I guess you can argue it both ways. You know, everybody says, oh, Rittenhouse should have never been there. Well, I guess you could argue that a lot of them... Rioters and looters shouldn't have been there either And then Rittenhouse wouldn't have been there So I mean I guess that's kind of a double edged sword That you gotta try and explain Explain somehow right If those people had all been there Peacefully protesting More than likely Rittenhouse may not have been there I mean I don't know I don't know what was going on in the kids head in the first place Um But I think After the summer we had I think people were just getting tired of this stuff happening all over the place, and the media is perpetuating the problem by just reporting any time a black person shot that they think they can get the most people riled up from. So that's where I that's where I place most of the blame is the media trying to. I don't know what they're trying to do. Actually, I'm not going to try and pretend I'm a mind reader, but they're not. Trying to you know quell this problem, they're actually making it worse. So we'll come back in a minute here, and we're gonna go over some of the reporting that went on after the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict came in. Um, and it's it's kind of gross, <laughs> realistically. And I'm gonna I'm gonna out the authors of these pieces too, and you'll see why they have the opinions they do. So we'll be back in just a moment. So I'm going to start this segment off with uh, kind of some video. I know you guys can't see it because I don't have video content yet. But uh, this is Girls Critics or you say his name, the one that got shot in the arm. I mean, I don't really know what the prosecution's game plan was in this case (laughs) because they basically, the witnesses they brought up when I watched it basically outed that they were the ones, you know, being the aggressors to Rittenhouse, not the other way around. Like the media and everybody's trying to tell you it is. So this was, um, I think, from the court testimony. So this is um, Grosskreutz. In the moment, I
1: thought that the defendant was an active shooter. Gage Grosskreutz, the only protester who was shot by Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, Wisconsin last year and lived to testify against him, told a jury on Monday that he followed the then 17-year-old because he heard gunshots come from his direction and then came face-to-face with Rittenhouse. He described the moments before the teenager shot him in the right arm with a semi-automatic rifle after killing two other people with it. The
2: defendant had pointed his weapon at me and I put my hands in the air. Re-racking the weapon, in my mind, meant that the defendant pulled the trigger while my hands were in the air, but the gun didn't fire. So then by re-racking the weapon, I inferred that the defendant wasn't accepting my surrender.
0: Okay, so that's what he's saying, and I I don't know if that's why the defense decided to have Kyle Rittenhouse give his side of the story as well because, um, Kyle Rittenhouse was saying that his gun was not all the way, uh, recharged with the next bullet. And that's how the gas chambering works on those rifles. Um, but sometimes they don't go all the way forward. They get caught on something and there is a primer type button that you can push and it forces the, the action closed and forces the bullet up into the chamber. So, I mean, here, here's your two different stories here on what played out.
1: Did you feel that he was going to point the gun and shoot at you again? Yes. Grosskreutz, a former paramedic, was armed with a handgun that night. My right hand, I had my Glock pistol. He said he was following Rittenhouse because he thought he might need to provide medical aid amid the chaos and told jurors he did not intend to use his firearm. Why didn't you take your own gun
2: and shoot the defendant first? Like I said, that's
1: not the kind of person that I am. That's not why I was out there. That's not why I was out there for 75 days prior
2: to that. Why I spent my time, my money, my education, providing care for people, I tried to,
1: Attempt
0: to uh, uh, not lead the way to find that interaction under so he can carry a weapon for self defense, but Kyle Rittenhouse can't. Because, I mean, we're, if according to that story, it almost mimics exactly why Kyle Rittenhouse said he was there, other than he was there to you know clean up the town a little bit. Uh, help with, you know, people that needed a medic or whatever. I don't know whether or not he's actually a medic. Maybe he just knows basic CPR and stuff like that. I mean, hopefully most people do. And for whatever reason, he chose to take the AR, which, I mean, in some instances is probably, you know, in my mind, if I was going into an area like that, I would think, okay, there's more of them than there is of me. So I would rather have the extra firepower, I guess. I don't know. But I don't know. Like I say, my my opinion on that doesn't really matter. So we'll go back into this and see what else they have to say here.
1: After cross-examination, Rittenhouse's attorney sought to establish that Grosskreutz had pursued the teen with intent to harm him, an assertion Grosskreutz denied. You were chasing him with your gun? Yes? No.
2: You didn't chase him down Sheridan Road? Pulling your gun, chasing after him, that's a lie. You're saying that didn't happen? I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but I
1: wasn't chasing the defendant. You were running after him? No. No, okay. But in a key moment, the attorney used a photo taken around the time Rittenhouse fired to try to portray Grosskreutz as a threat and got the witness to admit that his gun was pointed toward the team when he was shot. It
2: wasn't until you pointed your gun at him advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands
1: down, pointed at him, and he fired. Right? Correct. Rittenhouse, who has been charged in the deaths of two men and with attempting to kill Grosskreutz and faces life in prison if convicted, has pleaded not guilty. He is expected to testify that he acted in self-defense.
0: So that was just one part of it. I mean, like I say, there was quite a few different pieces to this whole case. But like I say, and then they brought some other people in. I don't remember who the other one was that the, (laughs) the prosecutor brought in. That was a witness. And he basically, uh, backed up Rittenhouse saying, no, these people were chasing him. You know, it's like I say, it's different perspectives coming together, which, you know, like I say, this was kind of a, a jacked up, thing altogether the people there rioting and causing the problems um, amidst probably a bunch of people that were really actually trying to peacefully protest and that's a lot of the problem I think that happened with the January 6th stuff most of those people were just there you know protesting that they didn't they didn't think that there was a lot of things with the election that were fair and you know, like say that I got a whole nother spill on that thing anyways. I'm not gonna get it into this mixed into this one. Um, so he's also this guy goes Greuskrieg goes to basically after the trial's over, he's done his testimony and all and from the way, I mean, like like I say, the court stuff's kind of weird. You know, the one guy's getting him to say, oh, no, I was doing this. And then, the, you know, the other defendant, you know, lawyer comes in and gets him to say that, yeah, basically, sh-, you know, he shot me after I was pointing my gun at him. So, like I say, <laughs> it's kind of a, a whole weird situation to begin with. Um, but let's just see what he's saying here on gma because i think this is where he basically claims that you know he he was a victim he had nothing he did nothing wrong
2: absolutely what i'm saying yes and engage what do you want people to know about this case and, and what happened that night that they may not already know or think that they know i think the most important thing to remember is that kyle rittenhouse was an active shooter he murdered two men and he attempted to murder me Engaged. Kimberly, thank you both so much for joining me this
0: morning. So then he goes on, you know, on the media things and you know claims that he had did nothing wrong. Um like I say, if he was actively trying to stop Kyle, I don't know why you would need to get that close to him, like he was gonna execute him basically with his gun. I mean he was literally within arm's distance. With his gun pointing at him. So. Now if I'm putting myself in Kyle's position. And I've got this angry mob coming at me. Um, I don't know that I would have done much different. As far as trying to you know, protect myself from these people possibly killing you. I mean you get a lot of these people that are. On the news, you know, saying, oh, it, you know, he they were just going to give him a beating. It's like, well, you can beat people to death. It happens all the time. You know, so, like I say, you know, CNN's probably one of some of the worst ones about it. Just grossly saying just inappropriate things as a news media outlet. They're giving you their opinion, not actually the facts of what happened. And why they do it, I don't know. But but anyways, we're going to get into... So this is after the verdict. Um, and just another example of just how bad people that have a platform are about reporting this stuff. So this is from the L.A. Progressive. I'm going to read you the article. I'm going to tell you who the author is, what his background, basically what he claims he is, I guess, and then the, the L.A. Progressive's disclaimer. So this way they, uh, you know, opt out of getting them, themselves in trouble even though they all believe that this is what really, you know, the deal is. So this is L.A. Progressive. Kenosha verdict gives fascists open season on black lives matter in the left. <laughs> and then they've got a, a picture of, you know, I think it's like the proud boys and, uh, I don't know, some, some other protest I don't even know where that just, you know, stock picture from one of their protests, you know, and they, they make that kind of the headline article. Um, it is getting closer to midnight in the United States. The November 19th Kenosha verdict is a racist, reactionary outrage and a big step forward for those scheming for a fascist society so you can kind of already see where this is going in august 2020 avowed white supremacist kyle rittenhouse gunned down three anti-racist demonstrators with his ar-15 machine gun in kenosha wisconsin two of whom died neither of those he killed were armed and the incident was recorded on video Rittenhouse, then 17, had traveled from Illinois allegedly to defend property and the police against Black Lives Matter demonstrators, but in fact to attack the demonstrators. Um, So this is one of the things that irritates the crap out of me when people that know nothing about weapons in the first place, and they've got an agenda, will say that he was armed with a machine gun. (laughs) <laughs> and then they're saying that he's a white supremacist also with no uh proof but it doesn't matter to them because that's their their narrative that's the whatever their agenda is to destroy all this you know anybody wanting to actually have rights in this country uh in a second outrage on november 19th 2021 one, an apparently all-white jury acquitted Rittenhouse. Apparently, keyword, who now walks free to kill again. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, it's time for uh, the second coming to come. I mean, because you've got a lot of people that read this stuff and believe this word for word. So like I say, these people that have platforms and then these, you know, supposedly, you know, outlets where these stuff can, like this crap can be uh, printed and thrown across the internet and whatever else is not helping the problem, but is actually causing most of this problem. Okay, so this, this, despite the fact that two young anti-racist demonstrators, Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber, lay dead. And another, Gage Grosskreutz, has been permanently injured. In the Rittenhouse trial, the judge and the local jury accepted the ludicrous claim that the smooth-faced young white murderer was acting in self-defense because the men he killed and wounded had supposedly put his life in danger as they tried to disarm him. A similar argument is being used in Georgia by three armed white men on trial for the February 2020 killing, Ahmaud Arbery, the young black man they tried to detain for suspicious activity. Now, that one is a little different case there, and I'd seen the video from some of that because they were recording it, the two guys that were involved, um, and that one's a little more dicey, um, but anyways, the article goes on. Many have pointed to Judge Bruce Schroeder's clownish reactionary behavior, forbidding the word victim, but allowing thugs and looters. I mean, I guess they kind of got a point there. Making incredibly biased statements throughout the trial and his jury instructions, etc. Now, that's just this writer's opinion, obviously. And the obvious bias of an apparently all white jury. The later issue is obscured by the state of Wisconsin's obfuscatory failure to record the ethnic and racial identities of the jurors. Um, they did that because they know what the this mob mentality is of people that are like this guy that's writing this article uh, have, because that's kind of basically with our age of technology, that is essentially where cases like this are going. It's It's trial by mob, not facts and, you know, it's just opinion and feelings and mob mentality that the mob wants this kid to go down and they don't care what they have to say or what they have to do. And if you're, you're tainting the case, if you're going to expose who the, uh, jurors are, because then you can go and intimidate and whatever else goes on these days, because that seems to be the tactics of the, the left. And I say anyways, in a larger context, this verdict takes us closer to the midnight of a fascist, fascist United States as the turning point on that road in the last few years. First came Donald Trump's electoral victory of November 8th, 2016, which signaled that the Republican Party has become a far right party with a large fascist fascist element. In the period after that, Trump consolidated his hold, forcing out sidelining or silencing every single one of his Republican critics who held major office. Uh, To an extent, he did, but you know, uh, there's a lot of corruption on both sides of political aisle in there, and that's how he felt it was, and he was going to campaign against those people. So that's politics, I guess. Uh, second came the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol with the goal of overturning Trump's 2020 election defeat, which signaled that a large armed group exists inside the Republican Party. This group, which is growing in size, is willing to engage in violence to overturn the Democratic Republic that, with all its flaws, remains in place in the U.S. This amounted to a fascist coup attempt. <laughs> like I say, they're trying to they're keep trying to paint this picture, but like I say, that that. January 6th thing's a whole nother deal because there's a lot of other aspects that go into that despite the media's claim. Anyways, let's go on. Third came the November 19th, 2021 Kenosha verdict, which gives legal sanction to white supremacist vigilantes who murder leftists and anti-racists. Like I say, you can kind of see where, where this guy's at <laughs> Labor and other large progressive movements ignore this new danger at their peril. All this is occurring at a time of deep economic dislocation still lingering from the Great Recession and from the more recent COVID-19 pandemic, a dislocation that is itself rooted in capital's declining profit rate since the 1970s. Tens of millions of people have seen their lives change for the worse, and their future prospects grow dimmer. And since Trump's defeat at the polls, nothing serious has been done to curtail the police murders that sparked the 2020 uprising, nor to stem the tide of voter suppression targeting people of color and youth. You know, like trying to prove that that's who is really coming to vote. You know, asking for a driver. You know, racist stuff. Really racist stuff. At the time, the spirit of the 2020 uprising has spread to labor with strike tober which has bled into November leading to some real victories at John Deere Chrysler Permanente and the university of California. But November 19th will give all the forces of reaction, the sense that they can arm themselves and go out and kill demonstrators or pickets for social justice and that they can get away with it in the courts as one of their number just has. Um, this is Kevin B. Anderson. International Marxist Humanist Organization. <laughs> so, I mean, that pretty much <laughs> tells you everything about what's in the mentality of this guy that writes this article. But like I say, there are lots of other people that read these same things and take it word for word because they can't do any kind of research. Because for the most part, you know, especially here in America, we're lazy. We don't, you know, we just take everything and read it and like, oh, my gosh. That's the truth. I'm not going to question anything. And then they get sucked into the same lies. And it's not helpful. But the, you know, places keep giving people like this a platform uh, for whatever the end goal is here. And most people I would think are like me who own firearms and different things. And, uh... I wouldn't have went down there to Kenosha. I don't think, anyways. I don't know. Like I say, I wasn't really paying attention to really close to on what everything was going on. I just kept seeing that there were these riots and people, people's businesses were getting burned down. Uh, that's the part I don't agree with: is them burning all this stuff down. It's no different than the January six people that were breaking windows at the Capitol. Us taxpayers have to pay to get that stuff fixed. So, yeah, go make yourself heard. You know, the breaking into the Capitol was dumb. Same thing with these riots. They're not, they may have started out peaceful protests, but if you've got people there inciting the violence part of it, it's no longer a protest, it's a riot. And that's basically what happened at the Capitol. It was a protest that turned into a riot. Um, but you could argue that the people that were arrested are getting to- treated totally different, especially by the media. So I got an article here from the Epic Times that goes through um, the misinformation. So we'll, we'll go through their article here in a second. I'll start a new segment because I'm going to probably run out of time on this one. And we'll come right back with that in just a second. Okay, so to end this segment out, this episode, I'm going to go start it with the Epic Times. Article is in misinformation about Kyle Rittenhouse, case-flood social media, and TV networks. Kyle Rittenhouse shot three black men. Kyle Rittenhouse traveled across state lines with a gun. Kyle Rittenhouse had an AK-47. These are three examples of false information being spread about Rittenhouse, whose trial ended last week with his acquittal. Uh, which, with all the evidence that I've seen, is the right uh, outcome of that. And then, you know, you get a lot of other joy read, especially CNN analysis. Her, uh, well, if he was black, he'd be in prison or he'd been dead. police would have shot him. You know, all the, all the stupid. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they're stupid or if they think their listeners are stupid. Because, I mean, it, or it could be a combination of the both. I don't know. But it just, it infuriates me that they get away with saying this crap. Prominent influencers, including lawmakers and reporters, are sources of some of this information, misinformation, possibly disinformation, leaving experts troubled. On CBS News, Face the Nation on November 21st, reporter Mark Strassman falsely said Rittenhouse drove in from Illinois armed for battle. On CNN's Cuomo primetime, on November 11th, Harvard University professor Cornell William Brooks falsely said Rittenhouse was carrying an AK-47. The Independent falsely reported late last week that Rittenhouse shot three black men. Rittenhouse, 17 years old at the time, shot three men, two fatally, with an AR-15 in Kenosha. Wisconsin on August 25, 2020, all were white, as is Rittenhouse. The gun was bought by a friend and was picked up by the teenager who resided in Illinois from a home in Kenosha. Rittenhouse claimed self-defense and the jury agreed, clearing him of all charges after video footage and witness testimony during the trial showed he was attacked by all the men he shot. Quote, as soon as the Rittenhouse situation happened in Kenosha, the establishment media immediately created a narrative that would work with their particular preferred narrative. As we now know, that led to a good many mischaracterizations and errors at that time, unquote. Jeffrey McCall, the communications professor at DuPont University, told the Epoch Times in an email, quote, By now, those media outlets are so committed to that narrative that they can't drag themselves to correct previous errors or provide accurate details today. This not only reflects that some media outlets work with predetermined ideological narratives, but they are also too lazy to report facts as provided in the actual trial, he wrote. Ryan Chittam, a former journalist and media critic with the Columbia Journalism Review, said some of the legacy news outlets have done excellent journalism on the Rittenhouse case, including The New Yorker, but it's been like a few drops in a firehouse of tendentious, false, and often malicious press coverage intended to fit an ideological narrative. Quote, On balance, the press has been a destructive force on this story, from its beginnings in the coverage of the Jacob Blake shooting that set the whole thing off, and which we know was justified, to the downplaying of the $50 million in destruction done by rioters in Kenosha, to the libelous portrayal of Rittenhouse and the particulars of what happened, he told the Epic Times in a Twitter message. there have been innumerable journalistic disasters in the Trump era, but this is the most blatantly reckless one of them all. Rittenhouse shot the men during riots that followed a police officer shooting Jacob Blake in the same city. Blake was armed with a knife. Video footage showed he resisted arrest after visiting the home of an ex-girlfriend who had previously accused him of sexual assault. Prosecutors decided not to charge the officer in January because he appeared to act in self-defense and the Department of Justice last month announced it was closing a probe and filing no charges. The sexual assault charge was dropped last year. Blake survived the shooting, although he is partially paralyzed. Some people falsely said last week that he died, including ESPN's Jalen Rose and ABC's Terry Moran. I misspoke and quickly corrected myself on the air As soon as I could, I apologize for the error, Moran wrote on Twitter. And they always give some kind of lame excuse to their horrible reporting. Uh, Rep. Sean Patrick Maloney, Democrat from New York, the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, claimed Blake died and that he was unarmed. The committee later sent out an updated statement from Maloney, quote, unquote, apologies. So that basically tells me that they they don't they're not really apologizing. They just wanted to you know get it down that they apologized. So they can, you know, if they're called out on it, they can say, oh, I, I apologize. Chris Hayden, its communicator director, wrote on Twitter, the Maloney statement stands out to Jeffrey Blevins, a professor in the University of Cincinnati's Department of Journalism, who is working on a book about how misinformation is spread. Quote, I think a lot of times the political left tend to think that false information, fake news, misinformation is something that is only attributable to, to the political right, and that's just simply not the case, Blevins told Epic Times. While people with small followings may put forth misinformation, much more damage is done when higher-profile influencers, such as lawmakers, do. Quote, When we think about influencers, and politicians fit into this category, certainly the chair of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, their official account would be seen as a credible source, unquote. Quote, when they put something out like this, it tends to stick with people's minds. The false claims have had the potential to reach tens of millions of people on Twitter, where they were spread far and wide. The ESPN, CBS, CNN, and ABC shows combined have millions of viewers. Among those falling prey to misinformation or dubious claims were two professors who have been cited by media outlets as experts in identifying it. Lisa Fazio, a Vanderbilt psychology professor, shared a video of Amber Rufin, who who has her own show on NBC, making multiple false or evidence-free claims, including the assertion that Rittenhouse brought a rifle across state lines. That video has been watched more than 7.7 million times since November 19th, boosted by the likes of Rep. Elon Omar, Democrat from Minnesota. Shannon McGregor, a professor at the Hussman School of Journalism and Media at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, shared a tweet that called Rittenhouse openly white supremacist, a claim that has no evidence supporting it. Blevin said the situation reminds him of what happened in 2019 when a brief, tightly edited video clip from Washington was disseminated widely by media and others. Nick Sandman, a Kentucky high school student, was in the nation's capital with classmates. The clip was used to falsely state Sandman confronted a Native American, Nathan Phillips. But video footage later emerged showing the exact opposite was the case. Many media outlets issued corrections, and some paid Sandman to settle defamation lawsuits. The person who initially posted the clip had a small following, but it was widely spread. That's when you get the uh, when it goes viral. Quote, people seem to be so eager to bring their hot take to social media, which is probably what happened in this case, and then you miss important pieces of context and it can really do some damage, he said. Blevins encouraged people to be more cautious, recalling what he did when the clip initially emerged. He waited instead of sharing it or posting about it, knowing that in the past, unconfirmed material was spread widely, wildly, but was later shown to be incorrect. CBS couldn't be reached for comment. It later corrected the falsehoods it aired. ESPN declined the comment. Twitter, CNN, Brooks, The Independent, Faggio, McGregor, and Omar didn't respond to requests for comment. Because they know they're lying. That's probably why. And that's the one from uh, Epic Times. But also, the World Tribune uh, has a pretty good layout, too, here. Uh, So it's big media's response to Rittenhouse verdict, more racism and censorship. Kyle Rittenhouse on Friday was acquitted on all charges related to the shooting of three men during rioting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, on August 25th, 2020. Not guilty, a jury of 12 announced in the face of threats to their safety, honor, and livelihoods. Guilty countered big media along with a relatively small subset of humanity that presumes to know what is best for all humanity. These self anointed elites didn't need to hear the verdict from a jury that declined to confirm to what has been exposed as an overwhelming narrative of lies. Journalist Glenn Greenwald told told Tucker Carlson on the weekend that many friends around the world believe, based on media reports, that the men killed in the incident were black. They were white. Before and after the decision was handed down by the jury, the corrupt U.S. media convicted Rittenhouse of being a white supremacist vigilante murderer. AOL ran with the headline, For Black America, Rittenhouse verdict reinforces concept of two justice systems. Meet the press personality, Chuck Todd. The next time there's a protest of some sort, and it may get politicized, that gun owners with a certain ideology may feel incentivized now may feel even emboldened. MSNBC's Joe Scarborough had claimed Rittenhouse fired 60 rounds. Note, it's difficult to fire 60 rounds when you only have 30 rounds loaded. Uh, Or in a magazine. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki condemned vigilantes who damaged what she called peaceful protests in Kenosha. (laughs) Minnesota Socialist Rep. Ilan Omar bluntly claimed he executed two people. There is this thing called evidence in the Rittenhouse case. The jury found that evidence in the form of video of the shootings and eyewitness testimony showed the then 17-year-old acted in self-defense when he shot and killed Joseph Rosenbaum and Anthony Huber who shot uh, and shot and wounded Gage Grosskreutz. Big media and leftist portrayal of Rosenbaum, Huber, and Grosskreutz as heroic, peaceful protesters. Only Tucker Carlson provide the correct context. Every single witness who testified this week at the trial confirmed exactly what happened, and here are the facts of it. A convicted child rapist called Joseph Rosenbaum was released from a mental hospital and then went directly to join the mob that was burning downtown Kenosha. Once he got to the riot, Rosenbaum saw Kyle Rittenhouse and immediately threatened to kill him. Rosenbaum then chased Rittenhouse and tried to pull the gun from his hands. When he did that, Kyle Rittenhouse shot him. So Joseph Rosenbaum died as he had lived, trying to touch an unwilling minor. (laughs) Uh, That's a little harsh, but... um, Some Republicans have called on Joe Biden to apologize for characterizing Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. Don't count on it. In fact, the Congressional Black Caucus made sure of that, stating... Quote, it is unconscionable our justice system would allow an armed vigilante who traveled to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and killed Joseph Rosenbaum, Anthony Huber, and Wounded Gage Grosskreutz to go free. No racial component existed in the Rittenhouse case. He's white, so were Rosenbaum and Huber, and so is Grosskreutz. The imagination does not stretch so far as to proclaim proclaim that Rosenbaum, Huber, and Grosskreutz were peaceful protesters. Anyone actually following the trial knows this. Apparently, the Independent wasn't one of them. (laughs) Uh, Stephen Daisley tweeted, A depressing example of how the British media misreporting the Kyle Rittenhouse trial as badly as the U.S. media. This is the Independent's report on the verdict. Teenager who shot three black men. That was from the Independent. He's pointing out that... uh, Yeah. Oh okay so maybe maybe this guy is misinterpreting this cuz the the piece that he's got pictured here says Kyle Rittenhouse cleared of murder after shooting dead two Black Lives Matter protesters so not black people but Black Lives Matter protesters so if he's taking that as they sh- he shot three black men then that's him miscategorizing it in my opinion the way i read it Um, okay. I see what he's saying. So full story teenager who shot three black men with rifle found not guilty on all charges. So, okay. Now that's probably the part he's pointing out. Um, it's got, it's got just the little arrow thing that's given these different, uh, points. And I don't know if that's just different articles or different people wrote up different parts. So the other one goes how the Kyle Rittenhouse trial captured toxic American politics. Republican politicians celebrate as jury acquits Kenosha shooter. Give children an AR-15 for Christmas. Prosecutor condemns. Preposterous verdict. Um, It's kind of funny to read some of the uh, outsider like news sources, I guess you can say, from uh, other countries that are kind of looking into ours because most of these countries don't have gun rights, they don't, they don't have the same constitution set up that we do. They don't have the same upbringing that this country does from where we started from, you know, they're, they're all older countries that, you know, don't have the same, I don't know, ideology of what freedom is. So it, it's some of the things they put up, are just kind of funny. The American Civil Liberties Union said in a statement, "Quote: Despite Kyle Rittenhouse's conscious decision to travel across state lines and injure one person and take the lives of two people protesting the shooting of Jacob Blake by police, he was not held responsible for his actions." Um, you could argue back that none of these people are being held responsible for their actions either for burning down and destroying other people's property. I haven't read anywhere any of those people that got arrested and put in jail or, you know, had to go through a trial for any of the stuff they did. You know, as far as I know, none of them killed anybody, but that's not the full point here. Like I said, if all this stuff wasn't going on, more than likely Kyle Rittenhouse wouldn't have been there. And, you know, I mean, you can still argue that, you know, his parents shouldn't let him go there. And that's probably a pretty good point. But the fact of the matter is he did end up there. And what happened happened. But also, I believe by all the stuff that was, you know, videos, testimonies, everything else that was put out there, that he was acting in self-defense. I don't know that I would have acted any different to being chased down by these people yelling to get him and to kill him and all that stuff. Cause that's in a lot of these videos of these people screaming that. So that tells me they're the aggressors, not Kyle Rittenhouse, but with the media narrative against guns, you know, anybody that's white is a white supremacist. I mean, even black people now are white supremacists. According to the media, that's, I mean, that's how ridiculously stupid these people are to, you know, or the blackface of, White supremacy, I mean, it's the narrative they're trying to push is so ridiculous, but there's so many people that still watch these people or read their articles and believe everything that they're telling them as fact. And that's part of the problem we're getting here in the United States right now, not even here in in other countries. Uh, this this backed the narrative pushed by the left that Rittenhouse had carried the gun across state lines, which was false. Second May, Amendment Foundation founder Alan M. Gottlieb noted, While the ACLU should have been complaining about the conduct of prosecutors in the Rittenhouse case, the the organization instead is calling Rittenhouse a deliberate killer perpetuating the myth that he deliberately crossed state lines to kill people. It is shocking for the ACLU, which has a long record of defending the rights of individuals against government per- prosecution, to make such an outrageous statement. Um, the ACLU, ACLU, in my opinion, has kind of... I think it's lost a lot of its original uh, members that made the ACLU what it was. And, I mean, by the cases they get involved in and the stances they take, it's really more or less another political arm, if you ask me. But, I mean, like I say, that's my opinion. And I'm going to state that that's my opinion. Gottlieb noted that Rittenhouse was acquitted by a jury of seven women and five men for defending himself against multiple attackers in the middle of a riot. By being tried in court, he essentially was being held responsible for his actions, which the jury's verdict clearly indicates were justified under the circumstances. As for the First Amendment, the left threw that one out the window last year. George, or Google, has blocked the sale of t-shirts related to Rittenhouse, which, when conducting a Google search for Kyle Rittenhouse shirts under the Shopping tab, you're met with a message that reads, Your search, Kyle Rittenhouse shirts, did not match any shopping results. Yet Google allows the sale of shirts related to such lovers of democracy as Joseph Stalin and Mao Zedong. Meanwhile, GiveSendGo, a free Christian crowdfunding site, announced on Sunday that it is allowing fundraising for Rittenhouse's legal defense on its platform. GiveSendGo co-founder Jacob Wells said the decision was made because he believes that every American has a right to a fair trial and is innocent until proven guilty. (sighs) How dare he... (laughs) I don't know why I like saying that. It's just funny. Uh, Without give, send, go stepping in, this young man wouldn't have been afforded the right to a fair trial. Well said, Rittenhouse has now been declared innocent in a court of law, and every platform that canceled him should be ashamed for not standing with the side of justice. Rittenhouse attempted to raise funds for his legal defense on GoFundMe last year, but was unsuccessful due to his campaign being shut down by the crowdfunding site. Um, GoFundMe is a pretty leftist ran organization too. I mean, I typically, I, I did the GoFundMe to start this podcast and, uh, they, they're really just about, if you go against the mainstream narrative, they will do this. They will shut you down and they take a percentage of any money that anybody donates. Anyways, it's, you're better off to just put your, uh venmo account out there and let people donate through that <laughs> uh heather wilson the co-founder of give and go said rittenhouse was in a hopeless situation before give and go stepped in and provided a platform for him to raise funds for his legal defense uh quote what would have happened to kyle had give send go not been there Wilson said give send go exist provide hope to the hopeless through crowdfunding and that's exactly what happened with Kyle Rittenhouse in the end Kyle was found innocent and we had his back even when no one else did and uh, it is a good thing because I was gonna donate to it because everything that I seen right from the the get-go uh of the viral videos you know I mean like I say you can you can say he should have never been there, he should have never had the gun, whatever the case is, it was still used in his self-defense. Regardless of whether you agree with him having the gun or even being there in the first place, if you're just looking at what happened in that night and just the immediate media bias and just outright lies on, you know, he was carrying a machine gun, and that's been a media narrative anyways against guns in the first place, especially the, you know, big scary black rifle ARs, which are not fully automatic, and if they are fully automatic, you better have uh, all of your paperwork in order to show that you can own that rifle because it is hard to get an automatic weapon. And If you have an automatic weapon, it is against the law if you do not have the correct paperwork. So, I, I don't know. A lot of this stuff just f- furiates me that they get keep getting away with this stuff. So, all I can say is I'm going to try and give you the the logical explanations of stuff. I'm going to look at it from a bunch of different angles to try and come up with actually facts. And I'm not even a reporter. But I don't like it when these these places get away with lying to everybody and then getting them on their side to, you know, fight against people that don't want anything to do with this stuff. We just want to live our lives and, you know, go about a, a peaceful existence. So, that's pretty much all I wanted to get off my chest today for this episode. And I might do another one uh, on... Maybe tomorrow for a Thanksgiving deal since this is Thanksgiving weekend. So you know the drill, friends. I uh, hope you'll join me again on the next one. And that's all I got. Catch you next time.